Speak the charm of me. There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will lose This is the Arnamancy Podcast. The world is weirder than we know. Join your host, Reverend Eric, in his diverse array of amazing guests in an exploration of tarot, magic, the occult, and the history of Western esotericism. The Arnamancy Podcast exists thanks to the support of generous listeners like you. Please consider supporting this podcast for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash arnamancy. Welcome back to the Arnamancy Podcast. This is Reverend Eric and my guest today, not my host, I'm the host. My guest today is Heather Freeman, a professor of digital media at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte and the host of the fairly new podcast, Magic in the United States, which is available now from PRX wherever you get your podcasts or most of the places you get your podcasts. (laughs) Heather, welcome back to the show to talk about another awesome project that you are working on. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me back, Eric. And um, I have to say two things. One, uh, you are one of my favorite podcast voices. I need this to be on public record. And two, (laughs) uh, happy belated birthday. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I, uh, I'm trying to grow old gracefully and it's, uh, I, I feel like there's sort of some sort of grace dignity trade-off and I might be doing poorly on both of them. Oh, just go (laughs) full board, like ditch the dignity. It makes it so much easier. Ditch the dignity, just go for the grace. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Uh, so before we talk... Okay. Yeah. Grace. <laughs> that sounds like a theological question. We'll, we'll get to that later. It's another episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the last time I talked to you on this podcast, you had uh, just finished Familiar Shapes or you had mm. just released Familiar Shapes as a podcast. And since then, I just learned that there was an a short animated film version of Familiar Shapes that came out, and I never knew about it. I I haven't seen it yet. I'm really excited to watch it. Is it sort of what's the style? Could you give me some? Yeah, yeah it's um, it it, it is definitely the um, it's no, it's it's fine. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Um, it's about 20 minutes. Um, it's a mix of live action and animation. And this this was the thing. This was is gonna it like be that. Roger Rabbit mix is like. Oh gosh, I wish. Oh, that'd be so rad. <laughs> now I have to remake it. No, yeah. um, it's it's just it's more uh interspersed. So I, I had um, students, UNC Charlotte students who were interning on it, actually. And so they got to develop their skills as animators, animating certain scenes from it. Um, so there's several different animation styles, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the reasons why I probably didn't do well in the film festival circuit. <laughs> and the uh, the video footage um, is a combination of interviews uh, with folks like, you know, Daniel Harms, who's back for this podcast, and, mm-hmm. and Ronald Hutton. And also um, some footage shot by uh, a colleague of mine, um, um, Hamilton Ward, who's an independent filmmaker, does amazing films. Um, so he was kind enough to lend some of his filmmaking expertise. That's cool. It's the 20-minute version of a 21-episode podcast series. Yeah. But I mean, when you made, but like, you know, the thing about uh, about Familiar Shapes is that you made it to be a film. So yeah. it's great that you got to use some of the footage after all. 
You yeah. Know, the, like all of these nerds that you drug out of the dust that, that all combed their hair and stuff, like it didn't go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. I, th- I, I thought so. But I'm glad. I'll, I'll share it with you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So magic in the United States. Yeah. So what do you mean by magic? Oh gosh, you know it's so funny. Every every scholar I've interviewed at some point I ask them, I'm like, "Can you define?" and they just cut me off. They're like, "Please don't make me define magic. Please, please." And I'm like, "No, we're going to do it anyway." Um yeah, and it's as we've worked on this podcast series, I've realized that one of the key questions in this whole series is why are we even trying to define it? Like, what is it about it that's so nebulous that's so hard to define, which is fascinating? Yeah. I mean, I did a whole episode about trying to define magic when I... I love that episode, by the way. Man, that was a tough episode because nobody agrees. Mm-hmm. I kind of... I think when I try to describe it to people, it kind of depends on who they are, right? right? Like, I'll be like, right. what sort of what sort of uh, definition is this person ready to accept? So yeah. sometimes I'll just pull out a bunch of big words and I'll call it like transgressive, marginalized religious <laughs> practice. And then people are like, what? <laughs> oh, that's not wrong. Oh, I kind of like that. It is, but it's also not right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so there's, there's multiple parts of that question. It's like this messed up Venn diagram, right? Like there's mm-hmm. who's answering it. There's who asked the question to begin with. Mm-hmm. There's who's listening in. <laughs> And then there's also, you know, the person who's trying to answer it in the the act of trying to answer that question, you're probably messing with your own practice. If you're a practitioner in some way, shape or form, like what spirits am I, you know, miffing right now. And one of the things that really came up in this podcast is that, uh, that application of the word magic often is so contextual, um, to the individual's, uh, class, race, gender. So, um, and the moment, right. And yeah, in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So like even, even calling this whole podcast series magic in the United States, so many of the historians, when I've asked them to let me interview them about things, they, they have to stop me and they're like, okay, I need to have, I need to let you know that like calling this practice magic is racist. And I was like, yes, that's exactly why we're tucking into this because people do that. They call it magic. Um, and then you do have practitioners who are very comfortable being wobbly with when they call it magic and when they call it mm-hmm. spiritual practice or folk practice. And so it really starts to dial down not to the practice, but to the individual practitioner. And I think that's so, so important. But it's it makes it really tricky and kind of dangerous territory to try to navigate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess I was just sort of thinking about like there are practices where calling it magic is racist. But they're also, it's almost, I don't know, I guess in a way, magic deals with such marginalized practices sometimes. And yeah. the and frequently they're marginalized because of uh, economic class uh, or just like population, you know, right. like, like demographics, right? Like, yeah. you know, not very many people know about, about like African traditional religions, ATRs, right? Yeah, so yeah. African calling them magic... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there just aren't very many practitioners of it, right? Right, or you know, compared to like Southern Baptists, <laughs> right? No, exactly. And I think you know part of that too is that our understanding of what we call magic, um, we meaning other magical practitioners, right? Like people who mm-hmm, work mm-hmm. Uh, 
and Western esotericism or things that sort of branch off from that, the very fact that we're using that word magic and we're comfortable with it is uh, probably a pretty recent phenomena. You know, if we went back to Agrippa, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Well, he know? spent a lot of time trying to define what magic was when right. he wrote about it. Right. Because he knew that it was considered a bad word for right. him. Yeah. 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 And it, I mean, it's one of the reasons why that um, three books is still like, it's it always strikes me as revolutionary. Um, mm-hmm. compared to uh, other grimoires. So it's, I think, I think that conception of magic as something that we embrace and that we're actively using that word deliberately to describe what it is we're doing rather than folk healing or rather than, oh, I don't yeah, know. You know, I mean, folk healing to me, like the, the, the term folk healing sounds so dismissive and diminutive to me, yeah. right? Like yeah. those are magical traditions that... That, like, it, it's almost, it, it's, I don't know, it's just, it just sounds ridiculously classist. Like, it's just sort of like, oh, no, 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 that's right. not magic. That's folk healing. <laughs> but that's also in part because we, you know, have elevated magic to this this sort of noble pursuit. I mean, it's 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 right. the pursuit of gnosis in a lot of ways, you know, the whole, mm-hmm. it's that whole thing you know, thaumaturgy versus thurgy debate, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and at the end of the day, I think most of us are like, yeah, there's not really a, a meaningful distinction between, say, high magic and low magic, right? Those are sort of categories that um, were invented to try to accomplish certain things, but um, but they don't really have mm-hmm. a lot of practical use to contemporary practitioners living in the United States right now, you know, working with grimoires or um, 20th century practices or whatever. Um, so, yeah. you know, that was one of the things that was really interesting to me in uh, the, oh gosh, which episode was it? The... No, I'm losing track of my episodes. The third episode, the powwow episode. Um, oh yeah, I haven't listened yeah. to that. I'm so excited to listen to that one. I, I powwow I is one of my favorite topics. I know so little about it, and I enjoy everything I learn. So. <laughs> oh, okay. I hope I hope you like. It. I learned a ton like working on that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned so much. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's there's two practitioners in it. And one of them is like, nope, these are prescriptions. This is a healing practice. He's very uncomfortable using the word magic to describe it. Um, and mm-hmm. so when I was interviewing with him, you know, each practitioner, I, I don't make assumptions about how they're going to define their own practices. I let them sort of set out the groundwork for it. And then I use their own language in that. But then another practitioner I interviewed was like, yeah, it's folk healing and it's folk magic, but it's magic, you know. So going back and forth between these two practitioners who both practice powwow and are using sort of different terminology, but are clearly definitely talking about the same thing. Like they actually reference the same prescriptions from the long lost friend, which was kind of amazing to me. That didn't make it into the final edit, but I love that. That that tension is so fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I think it's I think it's okay to not have a clear answer. I think it's okay for the definition of magic to be nebulous and ever morphing for the individual. Rock on, say I. <laughs> okay. I mean you're you're the professor. Digital media. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not a doctor, so real doctors. Wait, so hold on. You don't have to be a doctor to be a professor. You don't have no. You don't have a PhD. Master's is the terminal degree in the arts, right now, still. Oh. Yeah. What about Hunter S. Thompson? He had like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I think I think I think uh, creative writers. Yeah, they're yeah. I don't. Gerald Gardner had a doctorate. I mean, look at him. He's fine. (laughs) Well, he had the hair. Uh, okay, yeah, so let's. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so when you talk about 
magic in the United States, like you're sort of exploring its history, right? How far back are you going? Oh, yeah. No, this is really hard because um, this was one of the first questions is how are we defining this? So um, really early on when I was actually writing the grant, um, we were like, are we defining this as like the United States, like post constitutional convention? Is this like um, all of North America? What do we do with Central and South America? And and really, we've been a little arbitrary. We're sort of looking at the the geographic landmass that is today the United States um, and territories, whatnot, but like, mm-hmm. but that's kind of it. So um, we're we're keeping that time frame kind of wide open because there there are some really interesting things that happened between um, some of the indigenous populations and um, Spanish missionaries, uh, which might or might not make it to an episode. We're sort of sort of still looking at that, um, but. We're being a little nebulous about the front end, but we're, we're growing, we're going up to the present day. So okay. I really, like, I really want to interview. Oh, go ahead. Give me an example. <laughs> so like one of the, the, the articles that I read said that you were looking at stuff that was happening back in the 1600s. Yeah. Yeah. So I assume you're going to have an article about like the Salem witch trials and stuff. You know, it's funny. I've, I've sort of been on the fence about the Salem witch trials. I feel like there's, there's so many other podcast episodes about that. Um, and, and some are, Mm -hmm. you know, more historically up to date than others in terms of what current research is. And it's not necessarily actually the most interesting witch trial. Um, you know, one of the first witch trials that happened in the United States, uh, was overseen by William Penn. And basically, um, there was a woman who was accused of witchcraft. I I believe she was German speaking, but I'm not hundred percent sure of that. And she didn't really understand what was going on in the trial. Mm -hmm. Like she was really kind of confused. And then William Penn is basically like, um, well, do you, can you fly on a broom or not? And she basically <laughs> couldn't really answer the question. And then he sort of says, well, actually, it doesn't matter because there's not actually a law against flying on the brooms. So you're, you're fine. There's no crime here. And, and he let her go, which like at that time, I mean, that's kind of radical, you know, if that you think is, about it. Is. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, William Penn was in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I mean, Europe was super busy burning, which is yeah. during yeah, yeah. that period of time. And, yeah. and and we were, you know, inheriting some of the uh, the disinfo, misinfo campaign from that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I you know, honestly, things like sort of echoes of the satanic panic are kind of more interesting to me in terms of that sort of moral panic um, and how that manifests. Um, and that mm-hmm. that happens all the time, you know. So then what are some of the earliest things that you've covered so far? Like, I don't know how far yeah, ahead yeah. your production is. I. I, I don't know how, so like you have a grant, you're doing this as sort of a professional project sort of thing. You've got like a team and stuff. I don't really yeah. understand how all that works. Do you get to boss people around? Uh, no, I actually, my job like, is, More um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And then 10 people tell me like, yeah, no, that's not amazing. <laughs> so then I, I, oh. I revise it. So it's actually the best kind of creative practice. Um, yeah. No, uh, I have um, uh, about a dozen humanities advisors who are different scholars uh, from different disciplines. Um, some of them are also practitioners, not all of them. Um, and I sort of run drafts of things by them to make sure that I'm I'm not like way off in left field or that I'm missing some some important thing. Um, and then I have the team from PRX 
who um, honestly, Lucy Perkins, my editor, if it weren't for her, every episode would be such a steaming pile of mess. Well, okay. And then Jenny Cataldo's amazing sound design and amazing mixing. So between the two of them and Mm -hmm. then Amber Walker, who like is our producer who keeps all the cats herded and then Norgill, who was like amazing at like wrangling all these guests. Like it really, everybody has had such a massive role in this. Mine is basically doing the research to figure out what are we even going to do an episode about, learn enough about it to be dangerously ignorant, (laughs) find people to interview, interview those people who hopefully get me past my dangerous ignorance. And then these sort of cycles of edits and revisions and reviews to like kind of call it down to that, that whatever that core content is that we really want um, uh, primarily a generalist audience to know. Mm, Yeah. It's my love song to these communities. It is for sure. But it is because it's my love song to the communities, it's there, it's targeting non-community audiences to basically be like, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, these are things that happen and they're kind of part of our intangible cultural heritage. And that's amazing. Yeah. That sounds like an incredible process. And I am envious that you get to be part of something like that. That sounds really cool. It's a dream. I, you know, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done a few highly produced episodes myself and it is as as, as one person doing it it's just mm-hmm. such a huge enormous amount of work like you know the back end the editing end you spend like 10 hours on like half an hour of audio and yeah. then on the front end the writing and the research and the the everything i yeah so uh, yeah. that sounds really cool no you're i mean it's one of the things that i i love about your agrippa series like i i feel like um your a series on agrippa is like exactly the audio cliff notes that i i kind of needed that i didn't know i needed to really kind of revisit uh t boop um well thank you that, I, yeah. I i i feel like uh it ended up being so much work that uh you know i did it i did nine episodes but i probably should have done like 18. <laughs> I just couldn't, I just couldn't <laughs> take that much time. No, it takes forever. It takes forever. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so, the, so anyhow, back to my question before I distracted myself, uh, what's <laughs> some of the, what's some of the old material? What's some of, what are some of the older stories or older right. topics that you're going to be tackling? Okay. Well, in, in this season, season one, the oldest one is probably... Oh, no, it's definitely the one on um, Hoodoo Root Work Conjure. So um, because, oh. uh, yeah, Hoodoo Root Work and Conjure, it, it emerges from uh, the practices of enslaved Africans uh, as they became African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, like uniquely this American practice because it was this bricolage of um uh, Central and West African practices with European practices and then also uh, indigenous Native American practices. Um, so that that really that episode, it it starts um, in the Americas, but it really you sort of historically, you kind of have to look back to practices that, that go you know much further past the the European mm-hmm. colonization of America. Was that difficult to research? I, I assume that most of the early material on that was probably either all oral or Mm. or lost frequently wasn't it yeah no there's there's actually some amazing scholarship out um yvonne chereau uh wrote this amazing book called black magic and um it like anybody who's interested in understanding the history i think every honestly as somebody who lives in north carolina i think everybody (laughs) 
in the, especially in the South, should be familiar with the cultural heritage and the history of hoodoo rootwork conjure. Just that is that is part of the history of this land that we live upon. Um, but and and Yvonne Chiro's book Black Magic is is astounding. Um, it's so well researched. Um, it's so insightful, and I, it was just such a gift to get to talk with her on the, that episode. Um, so there's actually quite a lot that's known. Uh, the thing that was really hard about that is um, I am not a hoodoo rootwork uh, conjure practitioner. I am white as the day is long. <laughs> I am like s- s- second generation academic. Um, I'm upper middle class. I have an advanced degree. Like I am not the person who should be telling that story. And I was extraordinarily conscious of that the whole time. Right. And I really, I talked with some friends about it because I was like, I, I am really not the person to be telling the story. Um, and they were like, well, you know, maybe ideally this podcast becomes the doorway through which that story that story is getting told by other podcasters by the way like mm-hmm. there are other people doing that that amazing storytelling so hopefully like this podcast will help sort of expose those stories to broader audiences so people can know these amazing parts of our our history yeah yeah that was the thing that was hard about that episode more than anything else so one of the really interesting things though about that kind of practice like you know the hoodoo root work stuff is like definitely fits also into that category of folk magic you know it's it's sort of magic maybe i don't know i don't know if desperation isn't really the right word it's it's magic done out of like out of need by people who are either disenfranchised or have no other recourse like no access to mm-hmm. doctors no access access to medicine no access to money no access to, to you know anything defense, that they yeah. would Mm-hmm. to legal defense, yeah, to anything that they would really need to succeed. And you see that kind of folk magic in American history pop up, you know, in the, like the Braukarai powwow sure. tradition, and then in like uh, Appalachian folk magic. And mm-hmm. like, how far West have you seen this stuff happening? How far West? Oh, wait, I have to think yeah, direction. Like, like when we get into, like when we get into the 19th century as, you know, colonizers spread more and more West, you know, oh, the, like how does does the folk magic follow like is there a separate folk magic tradition in you know in minnesota like yeah, yeah. i don't know Vi- yeah. <laughs> no i mean I, that's that's the thing so i'm i'm actively right now i mean i have drafts for ideas for episodes for season 2 and 3 but there really is so so much um and mm-hmm. some of it uh there's tons of research on it and it's really easy to find it um others it's it's not that the research isn't there. It's just not as publicized. Academia has its own implicit biases, right? So um, <laughs> right. magic is definitely one of them. Um, I know. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a thing. But also, I mean, one of the things that's really um, evident throughout the history of magical practice in the U.S. is that it is a, a remix. It is a bricolage. So, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, who to root work conjure is this beautifully bricolaged practice. Um, and as powwow later in the 1800s starts to emerge in, in the Pennsylvania Dutch area, um, it moves south, right? Um, and then as the first great migration happens, right, African-Americans bring rootwork conjure with them up north. This mixes with uh, powwow. Um, the sixth and seventh book of Moses get involved. Uh, Long Lost Friend, of course, get involved. So the 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 intermixing, it just it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such an American thing to do. Like we're just basically a blender, a cultural yeah. blender. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like that that is that is almost a defining characteristic of 
magic and religion and magical religious practices globally, broadly? I mean, what is the PGM if not that? So it's <laughs> PGM, it's colonizers <laughs> fucking up a local religion. <laughs> <laughs> you wow, heard it, it right really here, folks, on the Artemancy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's I think this this remixing, you know, this is for for contemporary practitioners um and, and Americans in particular, I think one of the things that we've struggled with since um, you know, really I think we've been aware of it for not that long, um, is, you know, that this tension between what is cultural remixing, what is this bricolage, and mm -hmm. when is it cultural appropriation? Because that definitely also happens, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I just had to, like, how, write a whole thing on core shamanism, that? and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was my face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you even, I, I don't know, I don't even know how to answer the question of, of cultural appropriation. It totally feels like one of those, you know, it when you see it sort of things like pornography, yeah, I, I yeah, like, how yeah. do you, how do you tell when it's happening? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's not, that's not wrong. I think in some ways, I think, um, you know, one of the things that's been really helpful for me and sort of trying to parse that, um, especially in my own practice is looking at, um, who's in a position of power culturally. Mm -hmm. Um, how did that happen? Like what were the avenues that led to that, um, and and how are those dynamics functioning um, historically, and how are they functioning today? And so all of us, like, we have uh, multiple stations of relative power, right? So like, as magical practitioners, both of us have less power than, you know, religiously speaking, than um, folks who don't practice magic, you know, or practice just mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a normal, wholesome, all American. Like they go to they go to an Anglican church. They yeah. have uh, Lutheran potlucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they which, eat I hot mean, dish, uh, which are honestly magical as all get out to me. But you know, yeah, but, yeah but basically, I mean, you can't, my... you can't say that to them. No, you can't. But I think it very loudly sometimes. I and did. Lovingly. Oh man, I went to uh, <laughs> I went to a I went to a birthday party uh, a couple days before my birthday or a week before my birthday, um, and it was a friend of mine who is studying to be Anglican priest or deacon or something like that. Yeah. Everybody there was church people. Like it was all his church friends. And a bunch of them were really, really intelligent. Like, you know, well, I, I told one of them about theurgy and where the word came from and the connection between magic and miracles and all this stuff. And he just sort of sat there and gaped at me <laughs> and was like, What? And he didn't like that. And then another one brought up Gnostics and I asked some questions and my friend was like, oh, no, no, don't talk to Eric about the Gnostics. He knows too much. Like, <laughs> shit. I love it. <laughs> and then you were like, wait till you come to my birthday party. <laughs> I invited all of them and none of them showed up. <laughs> oh, man. Next year, I'm getting a plane ticket. It's going to be year. a thing. All right. All yeah. right. I'll but, make sure that the uh, I'll make sure the Anglicans are there. <laughs> oh, please. I mean, honestly, you know, one of the th so I was raised like militant atheist. Right. And um, mm -hmm. and this was uh, I, I don't think I, my dad was Dawkins esque, but he was definitely of that that ilk, you know, that generation. And um, that was how I was raised. I like like I would say I was raised militant atheist like and people get mm -hmm. really uncomfortable with that description. But I was like, I don't know. 
like you described to me militant anything. And I, that's what it was. Um, and yeah. so as a teenager, I realized it was just another dogma. And I kind of gave mm. that up and fell into the sort of sloppy agnostic, you know, whatever thing that that most Gen X's fell into at that time. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I remember but, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one of the things that I've been really grateful about in terms of, of studying and learning about magic and the history of magic and, and the history of magic in the U.S. is that it's made me much more tender hearted towards um, dominant religious movements, too. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, my my in-laws are mostly Catholic and I, I adore that aspect of their lives and I love hearing them tell me about it. And like, like I secretly, I like, you know, my poor husband, I think he like worries that I'm like going to go convert, a, you know, and I was like, you know, is, is that a no? I can't. Cause like, I kind of like, want well, to. Do you, do you get free holy water? <laughs> is that like a. <laughs> I feel weird about, I mean, I know, I know it's fine, but I, you know, like I would still ask, I would want to no, be I mean, honest. if you become Catholic, if you convert, you get like free holy water. You can make friends with a, with a priest who can like bless all your Solomonic stuff. Like I know. there's a whole, there's all this great Catholic magic, like I know. magic and then, circles. I could, I could be the next Hilda von Bingen and just like go off the deep end and then imagine that podcast. <laughs> Oh man, I am ready for that one. I want to hear your uh, your uh, visions of the crystal castles. Like, uh, right? what was it? Yeah, that would be rad. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, but it's it's. I mean, so I'm magicalizing uh, religions, which is really probably deeply offensive to most of them. But like, um, but 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 seriously, it's it's made me appreciate that as a cultural form more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it too. I I it was really fascinating listening to um, Anglicans discussing the theology of their own religion and sort of mm. trying to figure out because they were they they had this great conversation about like trying to figure out if uh uh if they are heretics or what the meaning of heresy is in anglicanism like you know they would they would bring up something and like and be like yeah but if you talk to anybody in the church like they totally are going to believe this because they don't know it's a heresy does that mean it's <laughs> bad does it mean they're going to hell and then some of them were like you know i i'm kind of a universalist and like just this the 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 the, pro- the progress of listening to them talk about their religion was really fascinating to me i i love that i do too and i i yeah. honestly having that sort of even, even uh, you know, I mean, I consider myself a a pagan and a hermeticist, but it is really, really difficult for me to cling to any sort of dogma with that level of certainty. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, it's, it's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, some, some uncertainty is a good guard against zealotry. <laughs> it's probably a good thing that's what i'm gonna call this episode (laughs) heather Heather guards us against zealotry with her new podcast magic in the united states (laughs) also grace is subjective yes also grace is subjective (laughs) this is where i do Um, my armpit farting sounds just right. to like make it extra, which I don't know how to do. I've probably, never been able to do. I might have a button for that. You've never, you never, <laughs> you never mastered that back no. in junior high. Oh no. man, middle I, school. Like, I don't know you. It's it's it's, a, it's an arcanum I I have yet to understand. <laughs> it's n- I suspect it's never too late. I'm I'm gonna know. try. Like seriously, like I'm gonna get my. Okay, teenage I mean I haven't tried in a me. really long time. I'm not sure it's a skill that I've kept up. <laughs> 
If, if I'm able to do it, I'll sound record it for you on my phone and send it. Thanks. Thanks. I'll absolutely include that in the podcast. Uh, okay. So we're going to be having a little sample of uh, magic in the United States. Can you tell us about what we're sampling a little bit? Do we oh, know? God. We know. Uh, Did we, we talk about? No, I was, well, was going to say, was which thinking, one did you want? <laughs> well, I was thinking the the powwow one. The, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the one with the scandal. Yeah, no, totally. Do that one. So what, if you were going to uh, entice people to listen to it, what would you say? Okay. Imagine there's really dramatic music, like, in a world without, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Tel- uh, telephones. Wait, no, there were telephones. In wait. a world without telephones. <laughs> Except I think there were. This is 1928. In a world you know without there, there broadband. No, there was no television. There was no television yet. Television yes. wasn't until the 40s. In a, in a world, world without, without television. television. <laughs> yes. So... You have a powwower, Nelson Raymeyer, mm-hmm. who is your friendly neighborhood uh, powwower. So he does healings. He helps people through uh, tough medical problems, probably farm issues, veterinary problems, uh, well-loved by his community. And basically Thanksgiving, his body is discovered in his home and it's been partially burned. His house looks kind of messed up, like it was been ransacked and just a uh, couple days later they arrest um three men well mm-hmm. two men and a boy uh, a man and an 18 year old and a 14 year old and they have a trial for his murder it takes three days to convict them the uh, other men were powwowers also and the reason why we remember this is because the media circus that happened around that trial like almost destroyed powwow it almost eliminated it from the world wow because it was so devastating and powers went underground like hard after that trial. So it's true crime. That's exciting. Everybody loves true crime. This is going to be good for everybody. It's true crime and folk magic. Wow. Okay. True crime and folk magic. Uh, That sounds, I mean, I know, I know a little bit of that story and uh, it's a fascinating one and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it fits into the context. And I hope that at the end of the episode you have good news like and now there are powwows in every 50 state every one of the 50 states <laughs> um, i and there's probably more people who have copies of dan harm's translation of the long lost friend thanks to that episode <laughs> oh man yeah. i love that translation that it's is my that favorite is, Mine too. Mine too. I wish it was pocket sized. I really wish it was pocket sized. I I just curl up with this end notes. I'm not even po- kidding. You're supposed to be able to. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll release a pocket sized version. Because you're supposed to be able to carry it with you everywhere. I mean, I, okay. Get get the Dan Harms, then get a pocket version without Dan Harms' amazing endnotes. Okay, that's yeah. what, that's what everybody has to do. Yeah, but the endnotes. Oh my god, Chef's kiss, so good. Okay, well, I will make sure that. The, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know how we're going to do it. It's either going to be a clip or we're going to do an episode swap. But uh, whatever happens next, maybe there will be like a nice beep right here. Beep. Powwow is a beloved healing tradition with deep roots in Pennsylvania Dutch communities. But the fact that there are contemporary powwow practitioners at all is in a lot of ways kind of a miracle. Because even though powwow used to be really common, Something happened nearly a hundred years ago that changed the practice forever. The murder of powwower Nelson D. Raymeyer. That one incident in that tiny little section of Pennsylvania and that tiny little dot on earth almost was the destruction of the whole tradition. Because by the time the 50s and 60s rolled around, 
Everybody just thought Pow Wow was dead. Nelson Raymire is an interesting character because I don't know that his life was ever really subject to any form of scrutiny until after he died. He was, you know, just friendly and kind, and that's who he was. I'm Heather Freeman, and this is Magic in the United States. Today's episode, The Murder of Nelson D. Raymire. In this episode, I'll tell you why powwower Nelson Raymire was brutally murdered in his home how the trial of his killers became a media circus that nearly destroyed powwow, and how this uniquely American folk-killing tradition managed to survive and is now thriving around the world to this day. This is Magic in the United States. I'm Heather Freeman. In 1928, in southeastern Pennsylvania, Nelson Raymeyer was 60 years old and was well-regarded in his quiet Pennsylvania Dutch community. He mostly kept to himself, tending his farm. He was a potato farmer in North Hopewell Township, York County. He had a modest 45-acre farm. He raised corn, potatoes, apples, chickens, didn't have a lot of livestock. That's Patrick Dunmire. He's director of the Pennsylvania German Cultural Heritage Center in Cutstown University. It's a folklife museum and research center specializing in Pennsylvania Dutch culture. Nelson Raymeyer grew up in a mixed cultural background. The Pennsylvania Dutch lived in farming communities of German immigrants that were largely insulated from the rest of American society. They spoke German, and they came to Pennsylvania seeking religious freedom. These were devout Christians who'd been marginalized or persecuted in their home countries. They considered themselves Americans, but many aspects of their culture gave them some degree of insulation from some of the normative effects of American culture at large. And of course, part of that is the fact that Pennsylvania Dutch people historically and presently are bilingual. Because the Pennsylvania Dutch were also geographically isolated and conventional medical care was often far out of reach, they developed their own folk healing practices. Powwow. And Ray Meyer was a well-known practitioner in his community. Now, powwowers were the urgent care clinics of their day, which meant people were showing up at all hours looking for all kinds of help from healing gunshot wounds to soothing screaming babies. And as a powwower, Ray Meyer helped his community by using ritualized biblical prayers and healing charms, like the one you heard at the beginning of this episode. So Raymeyer moved out of his wife's house and down the road so his family wouldn't be bothered by so many visitors. Let's talk about some other stuff too. Okay. I wanna, yeah. So I listened to, uh, I think I've only heard the first two episodes so far because yeah, yeah. the powwow one is the third or fourth? It's the third one, yeah, yeah. One of the episodes you covered like some really modern stuff. You covered Podsnet and uh, kind of like how paganism started spreading um, through BBSs and all that kind of stuff. Are you going to continue on that that trek and sort of explain and sort of look at how modern magic yes. and modern paganism spreads even more? Like, are you going to get into Usenet? Are you going to get into like <laughs> Discord and podcasts and like all the weird <laughs> shit we're doing now? Oh yeah, no. So I mean, this is this is the poor th- my poor production team and humanities advisors. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody cares about digital magic other than you, Freeman. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> That's so not Eric true. Arneson there are three cares. of us. <laughs> There's three of us. Maybe four. You, Maybe four. me, Trey, Nick. Mm, yeah. 
No, uh, um, I I know I know somebody uh, Selena Selena Kyle who that's a mm-hmm. pseudonym obviously, but uh, Selena Kyle that's I kn- that's Catwoman you know Catwoman yes, but and that's not <laughs> their real name, but that uh-huh. but I've they're okay. also deeply deeply invested in this. So if they're real. They, they are. I've had coffee with them <laughs> in person in real life. <laughs> unless, unless that was that was a cyber vision or something. Anyway. Um, but there are more, yes. right? Like uh, I'm part of uh, the, oh God, the, the Green Mushroom Project, which is oh, yeah, this sort I'm of like, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's tons of stuff going on. Yeah, it's, it's mostly underground. It's the sort of, yeah. I don't know. Well, and I'm actually sure. I was just, I was just at a culture uh, in October and I gave a talk there about um, bioregionalism and digital technology actually. And, um, and there was like a whole, there was many sessions actually on digital practice and, uh, and a mm-hmm. culture. Um, so like Jeff Howard and, um, Kevin McLaughlin, uh, who are all over in the UK, like they're like super deep into this. Um, so there's a lot of people doing it and, um, yeah, basically the, the last episode of season three, um, and I'm only making this the last episode cause sh- crap changes so fast. I want to just focus in on contemporary practitioners who are also digital technologists in some way doing new and interesting things like, you know, like the Cythemius and like your LED candles mm-hmm. and like uh, <laughs> whatever Nick Chappelle is up to and and whatever Trey Henry is up to and, and all those mm-hmm. things. So um, I think there's so many interesting experiments happening in the digital and it speaks volumes to both the inherent creativity of magic, but also the inherent creativity of technologists. And I, mm-hmm. I love that combination. And and one of the episodes is also going to be about um, uh, magical practices and the arts um, in the United States. And there's so much there, oh, too. Oh, how are you even going to start? Right? Like, right? Yeah, yeah right. that's that's like almost, that's too big a topic. It's too big a topic, which I'm like... yeah terrified of that one because it's going to just be too big a topic. But, um, but I feel like, uh, ending the whole series with digital technology, I think will be a really nice way to be like, this is still a living thing. It's still changing. It's as contemporary as anything else. And as ancient as we pretend it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The idea of magic and the arts in the United States, like the number of musicians I know who are also practitioners and mixing magic and music. I mean, just, yeah, like. Architecture. Architecture. I know. I mean, everybody's seen Ghostbusters. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually a great example of that sort of, you know, I mean. But, uh, yeah, dance. I mean, architecture, dance, uh, I mean, painting, like painting, just yeah. visual arts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fortunately yeah. I'm limiting it to the United States, but even then it's like, I feel yeah. like there's, there's easily a whole episode about the impact of Robert Johnson, like on so much. So. Oh man. Oh, I know. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, there, there's, there's so much stuff to, there's so much stuff to cover. Uh, uh do you know how many, how many seasons are you going to do? Like, do you have, 
is the next season already do you have a deal for the I don't know how it works you, get, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to do a grant we're, each season yeah kind of I mean so we're funded for three seasons um and they're going to be six months are you apart. serious yeah yeah so it takes so there's going to be another season in April May and then another uh-huh. one October November um and uh actually like PRX is already like hey you're gonna hustle for more grants and I was like I don't know what grants there are. Like, I, I'm not sure I'd be able to convince other granting agencies to keep this going. You got to try. You got to try. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. There's so much. There's so much to do. Um, so, yeah, I'll keep I'll try. But but we're definitely funded for for three seasons total. Um, uh-huh. And we're basically going to start cranking on um, uh, season two, like almost as soon as the season ends. That's amazing. That's yeah. really, really exciting. I'm, I'm so excited for you. I, I think when you, when you first told me that you got the grant, I didn't realize that it was more than just a, a short run. So that's awesome. And that it was going to sound as good because of my, your uh, brand new edit, my editor and my, and your editor, <laughs> my sound designer and my producer and my yeah. producer. <laughs> Man, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. Can, okay. Can, I, I don't want you to spoil the, the topic, but like, what are some other, subjects that you're going to hit that maybe people wouldn't be expecting like what are some oh. um well it, it's funny because it, it keeps coming up in season one because there's no way to talk about american magical practice without it um but we are going to have an episode probably several episodes that address the complexity of um perceptions of native american religious and spiritual practices as it intersects oh. with magic especially after the counterculture movement and new age um theosophy new thought um like there's no way to like untangle yeah. that and so we're just going to go ahead and dive in and there's probably going to be actually a couple episodes that sort of we're trying to find a couple key stories to tell and to sort of mm. get into that complex we're just finishing up the episode on um uh with uh Jawan Koo and Jennifer Kim um about Korean American mm. uh magical practices among um and, and spiritual practices among um uh Gen X and millennials. And that that episode is actually a huge challenge to research uh for a lot of reasons. But I I kinda like I secretly want to come back and do one about Hmong American folk practices. Um, and part of that is because mm. I live in Charlotte. We have a really big Hmong community here. But that's something I really don't know much about. And I, I feel like, um, and that's another one of those episodes. Yeah, it's not magic. It's a folk practice. But I think it illuminates a great deal about what happens to immigrant communities, particularly how they get placed in the United States and how they have to choose a religion in that immigration process. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of fascinating. Um, I think, though, yeah. we also established early in the episode that folk practices are magic from some point of view. Yeah. I you mean, know, depending. Okay. Hold on. I want to go back to that. I've been, yeah, it's, yeah. it's been bubbling in the back of my head. Yeah. So I think that one of the problems with defining magic is that in some sense, it is a uh, sort of like social practice or mm-hmm. a, or an element of social practice and then in the other sense people think of magic as a as a medium through which supernatural effects can occur right, right? or right. or something like that right? right it's not it's it's not necessarily always referring to the same thing yes yes correct right so yeah. that can really uh get in the way well, of defining it if you if you circle back high level and you say okay um let's look at the definition of magic for um non-magical practitioners who are talking to other non-magical practitioners 
all of a sudden the complexity of that gets collapsed and it's things that are not religion. So it's a dumping ground as, as sort of uh, Thorne Mooney put it in, in the first episode. Oh, shit. So religion is a I'd, political yeah. category. It's a political category in the United States. It is. Okay. Um, okay. And so if we actually want to talk about what people do, what their practices are, what the lived thing is, then we start getting to more interesting things. But it also makes the, comp the answers more complicated in terms of what's religion, <laughs> what's magic, what's spirituality, what's folk healing. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. where the interesting stuff hmm. is, I think. I don't know that I ever would have, I, that I, I, I didn't really consider like the Korean American religious practices and stuff. Like that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And then for the Native American stuff, like that, there's such a breadth of, I mean, there's so many different cultures that are going to be, yeah. you're going to be looking at. Like, are you going to talk to like, like Southwest? It, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, it's the same problem as sort of trying to talk about like, um, like, if I were going to try to do uh, initially that the last episode was going to be about um, uh, millennial Gen X Asian Americans online, like that was my narrow sort of focus. Um, and it, like, the content <laughs> ended up shifting it. Right. Um, uh -huh. the, yeah. There's there's no monolithic, you know, Native American religion. Right. So that's that's right. I think that one, that episode there's and it's probably going to have to be two or three episodes. Um there's so much to unpack there. And honestly, for most generalist mm -hmm. audiences, I don't know that we're going to be able to tuck into actual Everything. practices too deeply because we're going to be spending so much time disentangling it from new age. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, honestly, there is kind of a monolithic level of cultural appropriation of yeah, Native American stuff sure. by like the new age community. Yeah. So, sure. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, Where honestly, everything gets mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's going to be one basically the heart of it. And then there's also sort mm -hmm. of the, uh, media representation, um, uh, which mm -hmm. still happens today, you know? Um, and there's, uh, real, like there's real world harm done to indigenous communities through some of these represent representations. And so, um, oh, for sure. you know, we're going to try to take a stab at like disentangling those things a little bit at the same time, like, you know, on the flip side of me is like, well, we got to do an episode about like, Thelema or an episode about chaos magic or about like all the people yeah. doing drawing well, spirits into crystals. Cause like that I feel like it's its own cool thing. Like, or I mean, I think a, Rufus Oak is burning about, down his house. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think doing an episode about Thelema would be really important because that has to do, you know, I mean, you're going to be touching on a lot of stuff there or even just like the intersection of uh, magical practice and like the far right movement. Yeah. Which is, gross yeah. but yeah. it's there yeah. it's yeah. everywhere oh i know i mean um, i've been i've been avoiding thinking about an episode on um heathenism for that for that reason because mar mm -hmm. largely because i know so many um practitioners who are like extremely socially progressive um and mm -hmm. have these amazing devotional practices to uh norse deities and it's like then, i don't want to be one more yeah. podcast that like talks about like all the can I say asshats? Is that a thing I can say? I've been using all sorts of bad words. You can use whatever bad word you want. Jerks. And I want to talk about those jerks. jerks. You already said asshats. You can say asshats again. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, there, it, it, it's it, it's one of those. I mean, I guess you could do an episode focusing on just the good side of it, too. Like well, just being like. We're talking about but, complexity. You know, it's like I, I think like yeah. the thing. So the people who are practitioners who come on these episodes my my first obligation is to them and to mm -hmm. honor and respect them and their practices however they see it and 
present that in its own light, in its own context and just leave it. Yeah. Um, and I've been safe, you know, this first season in a lot of ways with that. If I were going to have an episode where like, I don't know, like, yeah, it can get really tricky pretty quickly. So I am, I am curating for sure. Like there's no way not to. I Can I pitch an episode idea? Yeah. To you? Oh, Do you think maybe when you, when you come out to uh, Portland for my birthday yeah. next year, why don't you do an episode about uh, about uh, how Portland is this amazing city full of weird magicians and occultists and witches and tarot people and stuff? <gasps> could I do like a residency of like, is there like a place where I could do a residency and just like hang out and see what weird stuff is happening out in Portland? I'm sure we could find a place for that. Yeah. Cool. I mean, you have a grant. <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, I just, yeah. Like, I mean, well, that, that's another thing is like thinking about like, I don't really know if there's like particular cities or towns that are like they have this weird burgeoning occult scene which is like its own crazy egregore and blah 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 because yeah i'm not sure I, I do know that you know i went to um i went to a bunch of cities last year and none <laughs> of them really had the same feel but I, I i assume that there are some out there that have really good you know magical scenes yeah. occult scenes like i'm sure new orleans but i feel like you know we don't maybe la we don't talk with each other in like those meet spaces. Like we don't really find each mm -hmm. other other unless like you're in New York and there's Catland and I guess Catland is closing or whatever. Um, like what? we have here in Charlotte, like an occult Did, salon. Hold on, that's, like, hold, five on, hold people. on. Catland is closing. That, okay. I'm Since probably sp spreading disinfo. I don't know. Ask oh. the discord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ask, yeah. I'll just ask. I, yeah. I could I could text somebody right now midstream and be like, "Is Catland?" Really no, no, closing? no. That's cool. That's cool. Let's just spread the disinfo. <laughs> hey, guess what? You get to edit this. Uh -huh. hey. <laughs> you can you can bleep where I said ass hat. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna bleep where I said ass hat, and then I'm gonna where you said ass hat. I'm gonna make it really loud. <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> you're welcome well okay so this has been really good uh how uh, let's let's just skip to the the end part where i'm like so how can people find your stuff on the internet or oh, wherever yes so um uh you can go to magic in the united states.com i know it's a horribly long url rife with potentials for misspellings but you're bound to find it and not something scurrilous who is going to misspell magic or united states I mean, oh, wait, is it magic with a K? <laughs> no, no, it's not. See, exactly. It's M-A-G-I-C in the right. United States. Yeah. Um, okay, got it, yes. got it. Magic yeah. in the United States .com. Yeah. Uh, and, and I assume I, it's also featured on PRX. Yes, PRX. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we have an Instagram page, the Facebook page. I have my own TikTok because I, like, can't, like, I'm like, no, I'm not making another. Are you doing the dances? Are you doing the TikTok dances? <sighs> I wish I wish the audio world could see the face I'm giving you right now because I'm just like oh god <laughs> I I look there's like two there's two gay farmers I love watching on TikTok and really it just makes mm -hmm. me want to be a gay farmer um but like otherwise TikTok I don't understand okay there will be links for all of that stuff in the show notes so you can go uh, watch Heather on TikTok. <laughs> I have no idea what she's doing Don't. there. It's it's uh, like literally it's just audiograms of like podcast episodes uh -huh. where I make some like really crappy graphics and then I'm like here. Yeah, okay. listen yeah that's to the what I've been bite. doing. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Cool. Well, thank you. This was uh, excellent. I'm really looking forward to learning who really killed the uh, uh, 
Nelson Ray Meyer. Mr. Meyer. Yes, Mr. Meyer. Yeah. Nelson Ray Meyer. And, you know, if you're listening to this, make sure you also listen to at least one episode of Magic in the United States, hosted by Professor Heather Freeman. Okay, thank, thank you so much for having me, Eric. And uh, yeah, thank you again. This has been another episode of the Arnamancy Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I have been your host, Reverend Eric. You can find Arnamancy online at arnamancy.com, and you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting the Arnamancy Project for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash arnamancy. Vanessa Irena, and I'm really excited to announce my new store, Sword and Scythe, where I'll be offering magical art, materia, and services beneath Mars and Saturn. You can visit the store at swordandscythe.com and be sure to sign up for the email list to receive early access to new releases.